son. If you're listening, I'm dead. But uh, I left you this podcast. You'll be all right. Just pretend that I went out for smokes. Welcome to a very, very special episode of Out for Smokes. Uh, I just want to let everybody know we're going to have uh, a very honest conversation about some of the, some of all that fucked up shit that's going on over there in the Middle East. We're going to talk about all the fucked up shit that's going on in the Middle East. And if you hear anything on this podcast that you would like to uh, uh, respond to or, uh, or give us some feedback, you can email us at um, outforsmokespod at gmail.com. Anything you would like to say to us, if you think we got anything wrong or, or whatever, uh, please, we would love to hear from you. Outforsmokespod at gmail.com. Yeah, remember, honest isn't the truth. It's, right, um, right. It's like we honestly don't really know what we're talking about a little bit. But well, I know what I'm talking about. can't stop us from talking about it. Yeah, well, I read like two articles, and we have Sean here, and yeah. Sean has his iPad. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it, so, doesn't it doesn't having Sean feel like uh, that thing Elon it, Musk is trying to put in people's brains? <laughs> like we got it early. Yeah, it's like yeah, I got a Sean. Don't worry about it. Yeah, everyone's yeah. all hyped on AI. I'm it feels like, like yeah, having have fun with AI. Yeah, it feels like having the Death Star. He's like the Death Star for liberals. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just blows up, uh, you know, hmm. rooms full of uh, liberals. Hmm. But anyway. Um, so yeah, we do want to talk about all that fucked up shit that happened on uh, Saturday. You know, on Saturday there was a big uh, massacre. Hamas uh, got into. Uh, yeah, but before we talk, yeah, about, go ahead. Before we talk about Israel Palestine, I think mm-hmm. we should spend like twenty or thirty minutes talking about the mean Twitter comment that got under your skin this week. Why would we do that? Just kind of prioritize. <laughs> Why? We said we weren't going to talk about that. It does. You know, it is like Netanyahu. Once we start talking about them, we're uh-huh. giving them incentives. We're giving them to incentives. To do, do terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about being a leader is you have to absorb the hatred that you get from people. Yes. Even though I did, yeah, I did get a comment. Why do you want to open the episode up with that? Oh, I just thought it was funny. You thought it was It'd funny? It'd be funny to, to spend like 20, 30, if we just yeah. bitch about that the whole time and then we don't talk about Palestine, right. that'd be much better actually. Right. Yeah, no, you know, I just got a little Twitter. Somebody tweeted at me, and they said, they said, even though they said, even though Mike Racine is, even though it's the general consensus that Mike Racine is fat, R-worded, and <laughs> the most underwhelming podcast host in the history of podcasts. That's what they said. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, they go every once in a while. He had some zinger. He has some zingers, and he quoted a b- bit that I did on the show. Yeah, yeah, dude. You that know? means he listens because he thinks either me or Sean is good enough. Right. So that's cool. Yeah, he likes somebody. Yeah, isn't that exciting? But that means he listens because, but he's listening, but he's he doesn't enjoy the show. You think he's a hate listener? I think he was just he's roasting like a hate you. listener. I know, but that's it's such a specific like thing, and I don't even yeah. care. Like, you know, it's just such a specific thing. I go, oh, I wonder if that's. Uh, then I, you know, you start thinking about. Right. But you know, there's more important things going on it's in the world the right now. It's the use of the word underwhelming to, that is specific. It's the use of the and, word underwhelming. And what hurts. It's like yeah. when uh, you ever hear about how Chevy Chase and Bill Murray got in an argument backstage at SNL when Chevy Chase came back to host, uh-huh. and then Bill Murray said, "Medium talent." Mm. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, right. Yeah, right, 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 kill, right. Kill my mother in front of me. Right, you know, Because right, there's right, just certain right, words that right, are, right. Um, it's like, well, maybe that's what they that do. That didn't come do. out of anger. That came out of opinion. Yeah. And so it hurts more. Yeah. Right. Underwhelming well, think, means like he came in hopeful. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, to, right. to that, Damn, dude. 
to that guy, you know, that night we did the show and Mike met like five people who said they're the, like the, that he's the funniest comedian they, they know. And your comment. I met like one person. One that person was a girl. That, yes. Shout out to Aubrey. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Um, but anyways, your comment got so under Mike's skin that it completely erased all of all those the compliments. joy. Yeah. So that was a direct hit. That was a Hamas style. It was attack. a Hamas style attack. You, and you, you hit got the right. surveillance towers. And now I'm going to cry about it for the next four months. Because you hurt me so yeah, bad. Mike was emotionally at a rave in yeah. the desert. Yeah, I was emotionally at a rave in the desert, and I was emotionally R-worded and paraded through the streets. By the way, yeah. um, I don't know much about this. I have a little bit of details, but that rave in the desert was apparently put on by that cult mm-hmm. that was featured in the Netflix doc, uh, docuseries like Wild Country. I don't know if either oh, of you guys Wild watched. Country? Yeah. yeah. Did either of oh. you guys watch that? I didn't know they were still around. They're, yeah, they're apparently still around, and they're the ones who put on the, the fucking rave in the desert, which uh-huh. is pretty kind of weird and suspicious, but whatever. Yeah. It's weird and suspicious. Yeah, because, I mean, the cult is... Oh, wait, the Wild Wild Country, that's the guy, he's got the quote where he goes, the people are retarded. Is, is that him? Yeah, it's the, the Raj uh, Rajneesh Param cult. Yeah. Um, he deserves some followers, just not many, but he's good yeah. enough. I like yeah. listening to him. I would pay I mean, for it's his not Patreon. Like, it's not like, it's not like ha- being, having a cult is... is uh, there's work involved, unlike being an influencer. We just where you just post. Yeah, you know, having a cult, you got to get the land, mm-hmm. you got to get the snacks. Yeah, like a you got to have water. Yeah, you, know, you can't have a cult without snacks. It. Two days in, people go, "What the fuck's this guy all about?" Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Have Any sort of cheese or crackers? You're like I gotta go. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch the the Netflix documentary, but um, just from uh, AshyJournal.com, uh, uh, in the late 1970s, the leader is apparently a. Uh, uh, CIA agents were rumored to be around um, the the visitors at his ashram, mm-hmm. at the Rajneesh ashram, and uh, basically the they they conducted the largest bio terror attack in U.S. history in 1984. They tried to assassinate uh, Oregon's U.S. attorney in 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a pretty kind of shady, possibly intelligence connected cult. So okay. I don't know why they were doing a rave two miles from the Gaza border. Yeah, it's one of those things where you go, this seems a little uh, a little callous. Right. You know? And that's, you know, I mean, I guess uh, to kind of talk about what happened, you mm-hmm. know, so Hamas, uh, they sent out drones, or, you know, this all starts Saturday, October 7th, 6.30 a.m. Hamas, they've released videos of themselves uh, doing this. They sent out drones, and they knocked out all the, the surveillance towers around Gaza. Because, you know, for those maybe who don't know, Gaza's like five miles by 25 miles. It's just this totally fenced-in strip where 2.1 million Palestinians live, and they can't leave without permission from the Israeli government. There's a fence all around it. If you get too close to the fence, a fucking sniper will shoot you. If you get too close to the fence, a sniper shoots you. Yeah, basically that. And so 6.30 a.m. Half the kids there already have PTSD. It's Yeah. It's well, also, most up. of the people there are kids. The average age is 18. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2.1 million people there, 1 million children. Um, but anyways, so October 7, 6.30 a.m., uh, uh, Shabbat, uh, Hamas drones. They send out a bunch of drones, and they start dropping you know bombs on the various surveillance towers around Gaza. Because there's surveillance towers, and there's remote control machine guns. That's the other thing, you know, drone machine guns. They just start, like, dropping bombs and grenades from these drones, and they start knocking out all the surveillance towers, and then they, you know, send out the gliders, they uh, they get a bulldozer, or at least a couple bulldozers, it seems like, and knock over parts of the fence, 
and this kind of uh, assault begins. And uh, it seems like a lot of Hamas's targets were military installations, you know, the various bases around Gaza that are kind of keep them penned in. But, you know, probably the most, like, horrific uh, crime against civilians is they shot a bunch of people at this rave. About 250 people died at this rave. Though yeah, was that yeah. was that debunked though? I heard that was debunked. Well, that's the thing. It's like it is still fog of war. It seems like mm-hmm. at least some of those people were killed in crossfire, crossfire. between uh, uh, the Israeli Defense Force and Hamas. Yeah, but there are definitely eyewitnesses accounts of Hamas fighters like shooting unarmed people at this rave. So I don't doubt okay. there was uh, a significant amount of that. Mm-hmm. Mike's but, one of those people who is afraid to say that Hamas might have done some bad things. He, he, no. he thinks they came in no, and just I tried to do a clean job and yeah. and that, you know, no kids were killed. Hmm. Even no, though I, we know kids were killed no, we know terrible. Yeah, we know that they we know that they were. I wish they I wish they weren't. Course, I guess that's yeah. you know. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if like uh when I would play video games when I was younger, I would I would uh if there was a mission where you had to kill cops, I would try not to. Mm. I would try to get through the mission without killing any cops. You'd ask your brother to, to play that it. level. Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. go crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get the the Blue Lives Matter achievement on Xbox. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm I'm glad we're talking about what life is like for these people a little bit because a friend of mine sent me this video and I just want to play it for you guys. This is a uh this is a Jewish guy from Brooklyn stealing it's a video of him stealing a, a Palestinian's uh, home. Yeah, I used to do Yato, open mics with this guy. You know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But you, you It's easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. Yeah, you are helping. stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one, no one uh, is allowed. That's what I and say then, when I do Mike's jokes. Yeah, you're welcome. Um... But yeah, I just uh, and then and then you you watch that and you go like, why don't they fight back or anything? But they're backed by these people who are stealing the houses are backed by the army. It's it's little stuff like this where it's not outright violence, but it's difficult stuff like that is kind of difficult to wrap your head around. Hmm. You know? Yeah, and I mean, there was a lot of talk online about why don't the pa- Palestinians do nonviolent resistance? But of course, they did. It was called yeah. the Great March of Return from March 2018 to December 2019. Every Friday, um, the uh, Palestinians in Gaza would go up to the fence. We mentioned this; they're fenced in, and if you get too close to the fence, you get shot. Mm-hmm. So they had tents out there, and they would every Friday they would go as close to the fence as they could get in nonviolent protest. Like they threw some stones and they let some tires on fire, but it wasn't. They mm. were all unarmed. And then the IDF was like, they're trying to kill us yeah. with burning tires. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is just from a United Nations report. Uh, just in 2018, 183 of them were killed by Israeli sniper fire. 8,000 were wounded. It's in eight months in 2018. And the, U- the United Nations report said the Israeli snipers intentionally targeted medics, intentionally shot children knowing they were children. You can even see a pretty uh, sick video of um, uh, the couple Israeli snipers uh, shooting an old man in the head and laughing about it. Uh, you know, that went around Twitter. It's also in uh, this documentary I watched, uh, Gaza Fights for Freedom, written and directed by Abby Martin, co-writer Mike Preisner. Uh, it's on YouTube. We'll link to it in the description. And it's like, look, obviously it takes a, uh, a pro-Palestine view. 
Uh, so some of our listeners might not like that, but I think everything in um, everything in the documentary is either just video you can watch yourself, or it comes from you know United Nations reports. Well, to or- some of our listeners who don't like that, I'm sorry you got your dick sucked at birthright, but uh, you know these are the facts of the issue. I heard Israel they trained them. This is true to shoot them because it was eight thousand injured. You said this this past eight thousand wounded just in the eight months of two thousand eighteen. So that's not even counting the entire basically the entire year of two thousand nineteen. It kept going on. Yeah, and I, so you know the idea of wounded. I heard they specifically target their their dicks and vaginas. Literally, really, um, it's just a thing that they tell them to do. Yeah, because they don't want them to have more children. They don't want you know any yeah. of that. It's like shoot them. It the is the it is the most porn brained military in history. Yeah, because like that's the whole IDF fucking propaganda strategy is like look at this hot girl that right. the savages right want to right right right. But all, yeah, well, also uh, they all have to be in the army, right? If you live in yeah, Israel, you get conscripted. Yeah, you go to jail if you don't uh, do your military service. So it's almost like you could say there weren't any civilians killed because they all have to I'd be in the military. Go that no, far. you wouldn't go that far. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we can talk about the history a bit more, and then maybe talk about the specifics of of what happened. But mm-hmm. you know. The, I think a genuine American hero is Norman Finkelstein, mm-hmm. and he was uh, on Jimmy Dore's show, and he gave a quote that I'll just quote from it, and he says, who dare criticize whatever tactics they employed, they being the Palestinians. I'm not approving it, but I'm not disapproving it, because I don't know what I would do if I had been born into a concentration camp. And that's what Gaza has been since 2006. It's been a concentration camp for 2.1 million people, none of whom can leave without permission, without a permit from Israel. They can't. The fishermen can't even go more than a couple miles out to sea because the Israelis will sink them. They can't get too close to the fence because a sniper will will kill them. It's a concentration camp. All right. So you know it is just like it. You could compare it to a prison break. Finkelstein also wrote a Substack where he compared it to a slave revolt. But it is just people breaking out of a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine if you've been living there, you know, for almost or yeah, for more than a decade, almost two decades. You imagine you've been in a concentration camp for two decades. You get out, you do a prison break, you might go a little crazy, you might shoot some people. And I don't condone that at all, but right. you can't imagine what it would be like until you've been in that situation. And when, when the average age is so young, two decades is, it's like all of the adults are only two decades old. Uh-huh. There's like one 40-year-old right. in, in Gaza, and they just right. treat him like Yoda. The village elder is like 33. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, look at this whole fucking old piece of shit. Yeah. And he's just a 37-year-old who remembers the 80s. Yeah. Hmm. And- I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I sort of got in an argument with a friend of the show. We'll call him uh, Ian Fidance. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, like there's this whole thing about, like, do you, you know, do you denounce these uh, these tactics? Do you denounce Hamas? And it's like, yeah, of course I do. Of course, like, I was genuinely sad for for everyone who was killed, you know, over the weekend. But it, But then it's like, okay, so but then what's the next step to stop the violence? Right. And if you stop the conversation right there, then, like, what's what's the point? Right. And we're recording this October 12, 2023, and as of right now... Is we're there, recording this be- before we've been attacked by a Zionist... Uh, <laughs> Tomorrow uh, yeah. is the day of, uh, of fucking uh, jihad, yeah. the day oh, yeah. of global jihad. One of the Hamas leaders, right? Yeah. Laura Lo- Lomer has warned yeah. that everyone well, in New York and the subways will be killed yeah. tomorrow. Well, the IDF is going to shoot me because I look like a pregnant woman <laughs> <laughs> from a distance. Uh, he called it, like, a day of bloodshed, right? Yeah. Isn't that funny? He's, like, trying to be scary, and he's, like... a Day of bloodshed on 
Friday the 13th. And they're like, what? Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Who said that? <laughs> One of the leaders of Hamas. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. He but, just yeah. picked a, like a fifth grader's version of the scariest day. Yeah. yeah. Well, Laura Lomer is a right-wing journalist, and some of these other right-wing journalists are suggesting there's like hundreds of Hamas cells in the United States that are yeah, about to launch yeah, attack, yeah. Yeah. which is like, just from the Hamas perspective, is the stupidest thing they could do. Right. Because American public is just indifferent. Mm-hmm. Well, like, they claim that in the Middle East, they stop uh, in the Middle East. At the Mexican border, they often stop people from the middle east and so they're going well why is that happening Mm -hmm. and then so you know they make um they come up with ideas you you spend your entire life in gaza and you finally get out and you're like i gotta try to get through the mexican border so i can do a terrorist attack yeah i guess we just find out tomorrow and then we will re-record if we're wrong it'd be so cool if we were all dead tomorrow Oh, <laughs> yeah. We just released this. <laughs> this just goes around Twitter like liberals owned. They <laughs> yeah, doubted the, the, Dude, the accurate yeah. reporting of Laura Lomer. <laughs> right. Tried to warn them and save their lives, but they mocked her. There's no way I'm not going to have one of those liberals owned moments if Dude. I. If I, yeah, that's the thing. It's going around like right wing Twitter. Like they they say, look at these liberals and their pets have turned against them. You know, because like uh, we talked about that uh, that fucking guy who got stabbed in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. yeah. or um, there's a Philly journalist, liberal Philadelphia journalist, who apparently there's an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he was a popular like Twitter like epic. No, sir, Mister Trump. You know, you know, yeah. he was one of those guys. Turns out he was a uh, he worked for homeless services, homeless outreach services, and through that he found a 15 year old like black kid who was homeless. Mm-hmm. And for four years, he was uh, raping him and plying him with drugs. And then this kid shot him to death Mm -hmm. because apparently, and this is according to the kid's mother, he's a fugitive, but uh, this guy tried to... try to help these people. (laughs) This guy was uh, 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 trying to blackmail the kid, I guess. Uh You know, we don't know the exact circumstances of why he got shot. He's trying to blackmail the kid. Yeah, like, I don't know, he had, like, videos or, yeah, or yeah. photos of him or something. He was yeah. trying to blackmail him to doing something he didn't want, and the kid shot him. Uh-huh. That's what the kid said to his mother. The kid's currently a fugitive, you mm-hmm. know, charged with his murder. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, uh, his mother talked to the Philadelphia Inquirer, and um, <clears throat> and they were able to confirm some of these details. But basically, that's the the new right-wing thing, is that all of this is uh is uh us liberals mm-hmm. you know because we don't hate black people and mm-hmm. people of color these mm-hmm. are they're uh, our pets turning against us right yeah well, twitter's a great place it's a great it's it's, it's really so much like, better now than it's ever been yeah. it's like plato's symposium over there yeah 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 just like really high level dialogue it's li- i feel like yeah, every day i feel like I'm, I'm in the chomsky foucault debate it's it's literally you're like what is the stupidest thing somebody could say about this issue and then you find and then at the top of your feed is just something much dumber right and the Dude, ger- journalist was called Josh Kruger by mm-hmm. the way just in, anybody was wondering yeah Twitter's bad but it does feel like such an advancement from cable television because now that I'm at my mom's I have access to cable yeah and the shit they say is you, you know you find out something has not been proved okay the the beheading of the kids right mm-hmm. um. Which they grabbed onto. They go, right. oh, you know, some lady said that, oh, I, I saw pictures of 40 she kids were beheaded, right? That's what they told me. Yeah, it turns yeah. out it, it, there's like no actual proof of that. And yeah. I think around like 1 p.m. yesterday on Wednesday, we found out 
that that is probably not true, that mm-hmm. 40 kids weren't beheaded. Mm-hmm. And then at like two or three, the president goes on is, is saying he saw the pictures of the 40 beheaded kids and everybody on cable right, television right, right. is... No, they're still saying dude, it's, it. It's, it's, yeah, it's one S- in the Sarah morning Sil- last night and, yeah. and, and my television is still on. And on Sarah saying, Silverman's fucking 40, Instagram. Yeah, and it, before I leave to come here. And it's 40 children were yeah. beheaded and it's that's the talking point. Um, oh, yeah. Even though on Twitter we learned that that's not true. So it's like... Damn, man! And if Twitter's bad and we're getting wrong shit on that, just think about the you know the few s- people in their sixties and beyond yeah. who have cable. Well, yeah, th- you have to understand that stuff. Folks, is- they weren't beheaded; they were executed. Okay. <laughs> well, and then that's the other thing where you go, "Well, kids they were aborted." You liberals argue that, but the yeah. argument is you're using the forty beheaded as like this talking point. Talking now, point, yeah. Where it's yeah. like we are all smarter than we once were. No, and by you the time it gets us debunked... With, you can't trick us with these, like, uh, these like moments of war now. Like, mm-hmm. we know what it is. Mm-hmm. We know both sides. There's terrible things, and there's sad moments from both sides, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, give us the nuance, because we can handle it now. Right. Well, Otherwise, it just comes off like you're fucking lying to us. Well, they are I, fucking I, lying to they us. Are. Well, I, yes, I know. I want to be clear about, like, the 40 beheaded babies and the mass rape and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's deliberate information warfare. This is the mm-hmm. Israeli military and Israeli propagandists put the stuff out... Mm-hmm. And they're good at information war, but they have an advantage because, you know, of course, the entire U.S. media and stuff buys into it. Right. And then what happens is they've been just kind of winning news cycles. Because mm-hmm. if you think about a 24-hour news cycle and just what everybody, who you know, gets their news from Twitter, what they go through on a day, if uh, <clears throat> basically day one is mass rape. And that's all, you know, everybody talked about day one is Hamas is doing mass rape. Mm -hmm. Then that kind of gets walked back to, like, there's one woman who gets kidnapped and is currently being held as a hostage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's got some blood on the back of her pants. Not clear where that came from. But so it goes from mass rape. And we don't, we're not commenting on that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I see, yeah, I mean, I saw that that infuriated me. So it's like day one is mass rape. Then day two is like, okay, it wasn't mass rape, but there is this rape. Mm -hmm. And then that's all that somebody talks about day Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. Then day three is 40 babies were beheaded. Mm -hmm. Next day, okay, but one baby, one baby was beheaded. This is what just today Israel, the official uh, Israel Twitter account, releases one baby with their head censored. You can't even see if the baby is beheaded. It's a dead baby. I'm sorry. But, you know, it just goes like extremely lurid claim. Yeah. That dominates day one. Then day two walk back but retreat to a less lurid but still like you know what what difference does it make if it's you know one or you know you walk back to the second one and then you just keep going like that and even when people spend their time trying to debunk these lies you're just talking you're just talking about that instead of the bombing of gaza Mm -hmm. instead of the fact that they've cut off water instead of the fact that the israelis you know they killed uh 13 un staff in gaza they bombed a school Mm -hmm. uh that the united nations set up in gaza they killed the staff a bunch of the students there they've already killed more uh people than hamas did it's already as of october 12 it's uh uh, 1400 people in gaza are dead uh, 1300 people in israel are dead and by the time we release this it'll be even more lopsided so it's just they win news cycles by making people talk about anything else but what is going on in gaza and and they won the news cycle so much that i don't even blame our friends for doing this but we i guess we just have to talk about it's not our friends it's just people they post a thing like Pray for Israel, yeah. which I understand because in our news cycle, we are not getting Israel-Palestine shit all the time in terms of like we're focusing on it. Most people don't really understand what's happening at the Gaza Strip and shit, right? And so they're going, pray for Israel because a terrorist attack happened. And 
And because there's no like Palestinian news source over the last right. two decades saying, hey, you know, 90% of our water is undrinkable. The mm-hmm. death rate is fucking ridiculous. Uh, none of that is coming out. And so when news does come out, it's straight out of, oh, Israel had a terrorist attack. Well, what happened last month? Yeah. Hmm. How, many Palestinians, how, how many Palestinians died last month? Like Do you remember a couple months ago there was like a there was a Palestinian guy who had like the star of David branded into his face like oh, he yeah, had like a, he had it imprinted on his face mm. and then the IDF released a statement and they were like oh no that's actually from a shoelace <laughs> it's it's <laughs> from somebody's shoelace that cuz it makes the, it's like the shape. tang yeah yeah, yeah. they're like no we were just kicking him in the face and it what left the, the mark fuck? from and it's just like the the way that they the way that they just lie all the time and don't, don't seem to have any uh, remorse about it, you shouldn't really... Hmm. I don't know. It's hard to uh, trust anything that they say. Yeah. No, I don't think they're a reliable source. I think anything they say needs to be verified with evidence. But it is important for people to know that it's like, yeah, some people are kind of just you know gullible and they buy into this, but mm-hmm. the actual people who are releasing it, this is a coordinated military campaign. This is information warfare. They are right. deliberately trying to keep the focus of the media and your Twitter feed on other things than right. what they're doing in Gaza. Right. Um, I should mention, apparently I accidentally outed Norman Finkelstein as gay on Twitter today. Because mm-hmm. um, I had this... this. Well, you can delete the tweet, and you can... Uh, I don't know why you had to bring it up on this show. Well, the thing, it's like he's a 69-year-old, unmarried, never-married man. I like, thought he'd been married. Has he been married? Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, keep going though, Sean. You're such a piece of shit. You're such a piece of shit. Yeah. He's like a genuine hero of mine. Yeah. I feel actually like yeah. Well, that because I, I can't even delete the tweet. I'm now. pretty sure I googled. Yeah, he's married. Yeah. All right. No, he's the one that's gonna. He's the. He's gonna be the Jew that gets our podcast. What he do? Not what, the, uh, what, what's his story though? Has he's, he like gone to? Um... He's spent 40 years. He's uh, since the original Israeli invasion of Lebanon, and I believe 1982. Um, he's been on the the side of the Palestinians and has been a very fierce public advocate for the Palestinians. So he spent forty years of his life advocating for Palestine, and he's a uh, and you know in America that comes with like real financial consequences. He's suffered you know obviously not nearly as much as the Palestinians, but. <sighs> He's I gotta create an account to find out if Norm- Norman Finkelstein <laughs> is gay or not. It's not on his Wikipedia. Married? No, it's not. Okay, but anyways, I had a tweet that was Norman Finkelstein is a genuine American hero, and we all have a responsibility to sure- ensure he never suffers from a lack of anonymous gay sex. Yeah, because you know, like if well, it's, it's funny, I don't think that's outing a gay man. I think there's something nice. I think it's just saying like every guy deserves anonymous gay sex. You just sound like you're pro anonymous gay sex, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Like, he deserves a cheeseburger or something, you know? You know. And, like, if it's been, like, too long for him, like, like three days or something, I would do my part. Yeah. Give him a handy. For right. But anyways. Yeah, back to, back to this. I mean, where does it start? What, the Gaza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could do a, a brief history and then, like, look, there's a lot to talk about, so if we have to, we'll just keep it going on the Patreon. But I, I can give... Like I said, I do recommend that movie, Gaza Fights for Freedom, and I'll give like a, a brief background of some of my notes on it, but just for, like again, people who don't know... Well, it's important to remember that uh, Israelis are not indigenous to this uh, land. Yeah, and, you know, so after World War II and the Holocaust, of course, I mean, a, a Jewish settlement predates that, you know, yeah. it goes uh, back before the, the Belfort Declaration in World War One was the British to kind of, uh, there were Jewish settlers in uh, in Palestine, 
Um, uh, yeah, it was like two decades of let's do this, and then World War II broke out. But right. they were kind of planning Israel since the early 20th century. Right. There's a lot of Zionist writers from that time. And so the British, you know, at the, at the time of World War I and into World War II, they, um, they had Palestine as one of their colonies or their territories or whatever. So in World War I, the British released what is called the Belfort Declaration, which uh, states that there will be a Jewish homeland in Palestine, or there will be an Israel, like, eventually. They don't mm-hmm. give a timeline. But they, they did this because, you know, there were, even at that time, you know, Jewish militants within Palestine, you know, making, like, uh, some terrorist attacks or just, like, being a nuisance. So the British said, okay, we'll do this to kind of keep them on side well, and t- keep them calm during World War One. Yeah, to, to be fair to to Jewish people. So, like, in, in, the idea of this area and Jerusalem and stuff is Abraham was there, <laughs> like, right. 4,000 years ago or however long it was, and um, and that they did live there. Do you think it's important to go into, I don't know, no, I, yeah, like I, I think Bible? Jewish people listening care about this stuff. Yeah, because it goes beyond the Bible. You think about mm-hmm. when the Bible was written, but then you think about when in the 1800s there were Jews living in in Palestine and they were mm-hmm. fleeing. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like, oh, a thousand years ago. It's like Jews have lived there for thousands of years and continued living there, mm-hmm. and their history is constantly fleeing mm-hmm. and then going back, fleeing, going back. And then in the 20th century, it was like, hey, let's make a place for you because you're constantly fleeing. Right. To say they're not indigenous to there— of course they are. Everyone is fucking indigenous to there. <laughs> like, yes, they are indigenous to there. Well, I thought they were immigrating in like the 20s. No, they immigrated, immigrated, immigrated back, the but it's because uh-huh. they constantly had to flee the Middle East. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that true? Well, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot more. <laughs> Sean, tell him he's wrong. <laughs> is there's that a, true? There's a lot more settlement in the, in the 20th century. And uh-huh. like, yeah, of course, you can't get around it. This, it, it heavily ramps up with Nazi Germany when all those uh, uh, Jews were trying to get out of Germany with very good reason. Uh, a lot of them go to Palestine, and they you know, set up kibbutzes, communal farms, um, and uh, the, the Jewish population grows. And then also after the war, because after the war, you know, the survivors, people who are like, you know, I mean, like the Jews of Poland, for example, or Hungary would be another example, but what they learned was something very traumatic, where it was in Hungary... Uh, a lot of Jews went through the experience of essentially their neighbors who, like, they'd known their entire lives, and then one night the Nazis came in, and then suddenly all of their neighbors hated them mm-hmm. and, you know, cooperated in getting them turned over to be deported to Auschwitz and, and murdered. And so, I mean, you can imagine, like, you live somewhere, you know your neighbors, maybe you know their kids, you're, like, good friends, you know. Uh, you even go to the bar with them or whatever. You're on a first name basis with these people. Happened in Ukraine too, where like a lot of the the pogroms, the mass killings when the Nazis came in, the people killing the Jews knew them by their first names. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine you live a place and then you f- suddenly find out, oh yeah, these people I've known twenty or thirty right, years, right, right. they want me dead. Yeah, and it's like they and make it, you a little loopy. If you even survive that, it's like, why would you a little loopy? We did a, we did an, a, an episode on anti-Semitism with Ronan Hirschberg, if you guys yes. haven't heard it, if you want to yeah. go back and If you want to hear out, some pro-Israel funny. content. Some he, pro-Israel content. He does a little yeah. bit at the end there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sean and I are very malleable, so whatever... Yeah. whatever um, we go along to get along. Yeah. Don't like to argue. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point is... No, but it's important to uh, learn about that stuff. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I mean, like, look, I'm... I'm sympathetic to a lot of Israel supporters, as you know, 
I think what's going on in Gaza cannot be justified, and I think a lot of people are just kind of closing their eyes to it. But I don't think most people are evil. There are evil people. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that. But I think most people are just kind of set in their priors, and they, they kind of refuse to look at what's, what's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. But the point is, like, yeah, a lot of Jews left Europe after the Holocaust with very good reason, y- you know. And so they end up in Gaza, and eventually the United Nations <clears throat> recognizes two states— uh, in 1948, there's what the Palestinians call the Nakba, which is where 750,000 Palestinians were made into refugees. They were all chased out of their villages. Over 500 Arab villages were cleared. They were chased out by, you know, terrorists, like uh, uh, Jewish terrorists. There was a village where there was like a massacre there because they yeah, wanted yeah. to make in 1948 because they wanted to make an example. Exactly. There were lots of massacres. There were yeah. also lots of rapes, by the way. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about that. Which you can't talk, you can't even bring it up. It's illegal to bring up in uh, Israel, whatever you just said. The <laughs> that N-word. Yeah, you can't oh, talk yeah. about it. Mm. Yeah, like in Germany, how you can't talk about uh, Hitler or whatever. Really? Or, or, you know, you, you can't, can't wear, talk about it in, in you Israel? Can't, you can't like have a swastika, right? Right. Yeah. Don't they put you in jail if you like they wear a swastika in, jail, in yeah. Germany? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and, and then over here, if you wear a swastika, you just get put on World Star. <laughs> Yeah, they go, do you have a song coming out? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, okay, so 1948 is the Nakba. 750,000 Palestinian refugees are driven into Gaza, which we've mentioned that's on the coast, but also the the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are the kind of two Palestinian territories. But uh, I think it is good to learn about this this history, though, because it does seem like the farther back you go, it seems kind of consistent. Mm-hmm. Like there, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of um, it happening the other way around. Right. It seems like it's a lot of like, you know, white supremacist colonizers making people leave their homes. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. And, you know, one of the ironies that's, uh, that's brought up in the documentary Gaza Fights for Freedom is that some of these Palestinians actually hid Jewish people from British reprisals, mm-hmm. like right after World War II, mm-hmm. uh, when the, the Jewish terrorists were trying to get the British out. Mm-hmm. And they actually, there were examples of, you know, uh, Palestinian villages like sheltering Jewish terrorists. And mm-hmm. then like a year later, they come back or a different group comes back and just either kills them or chases them out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think the Nakba is a pretty clear-cut case where there were just lots of murders, lots of atrocities, with the entire purpose being make all these people leave. Yeah. You just make an example of these people, and then they will get out. Yeah. And the prime minister at the time, Ben-Gurion, even, you know, it's now been revealed that he's made quotes, he made private quotes to that effect. This was deliberate policy to chase them out of their lands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you chase 750,000 refugees out, and now 70% of the people who live in Gaza are either uh, the remaining survivors of those refugees or the de- or their descendants. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, it- it's a pretty clear-cut history, but... Um, you know, the United Nations does recognize Israel and Palestine as two separate states, but the problem is Israel has been expanding its borders. And, you know, Israel supporters would say, well, they came under attack from, you know, the Palestinians and uh, the neighboring Arab nations, like in 1967. Yeah, the, the, um, the Six-Day War was in 67, where Israel launched a surprise attack on its neighbors. Um, and uh, they took a bunch of territory 
um, including for a time Gaza. Israel and, attacked first in the Six Day War? In the Six Day War, they, the, Israel launched a surprise attack, and it uh-huh. was a great uh, victory for Israel. They took a bunch of territory. They took a, a whole bunch of uh, Egypt, the Sinai oh. uh, desert area. I thought they, they were attacked by all... That, like, that's the Yom Kippur War. Oh, okay. That's in 1973. Oh. Um, so Israel attacks first in 1967. They win a victory, but then in 1973... Um, their neighboring countries, including Egypt and I believe Syria and such, they attack in the Yom Kippur War, which it looks like Israel is going to lose. But eventually, like um, then Prime Minister Golda Meir uh, actually threatened to use nuclear weapons because Richard Nixon was president at the time and he was kind of like um, kind of a, a slow walking, reinforcing Israel. He wasn't like a big Israel guy, as you can tell if you listen to his private tapes mm-hmm. and. Uh, some of the the remarks he's made about uh, uh, that particular religion. But um, Golda Meir threatened to use nuclear weapons, and so Nixon was like, all right, yeah, sure, fine, we'll support you. Um, So Israel does, after being surprised, attacked in the Yom Kippur War, they do prevail in 1973. And that was until, you know, this last Saturday, that was the last major attack on Israel, Mm -hmm. the 1973 war. But the point of all that is, uh, after the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel did expand its borders quite a bit uh, to the point where Hamas, in their official charter, they say they are willing to do a two-state solution, which mm-hmm. is what the entire international community has kind of, you know, for decades now been trying to get done. Mm-hmm. But Hamas wants to do it on the pre-1967 borders, mm-hmm. the borders before Israel launched this war. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a lot in Israel, that's a lot of people in Israel, that's kind of a non-starter. They say, no, we need these new borders because we're right. safer with our new borders. Right. So that's kind of the gridlock that's that's been going since. And do they feel kind of slighted because it's like the British divided up the <clears throat> territories? And from what I understand, like, the British divided the territories, and they were, they gave Israel more fertile land. Yeah, what I've heard is basically Israel has been in control of every sort of negotiation in terms of like other countries saying, "Hey, come on, guys, let's make a deal." Mm. It's other countries sitting with Israel to try to come up with something that would appease Palestine. Yeah, and you're right; it always they present Palestine the situation of like, "Hey, how do you like this land situation?" Yeah, where it's like they don't have land that they can farm off of or water where they can ship you know it's like none of it benefits them it's Mm -hmm. all shit unusable land Mm -hmm. and you know uh again i I hope i'm not retreading ground for uh for our listeners but um there was this kind of you know quote-unquote palestinian terrorism this has been going back a long time uh you know at least to the the 60s 70s but there was uh, uh, the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, PFLP. Um, these were organizations that were more kind of secular and Arab nationalist, with the, uh, the idea being, you know, a pan-Arab, a pan-Palestinian state, not like Islamic fundamentalists. They might have been Muslims, but they weren't fundamentalists. They weren't, you know, ISIS types or al-Qaeda or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was a deliberate strategy by Israel to... Uh, support Hamas or these more radical religious terrorists. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to at least the 70s and 80s, and there have been various articles about it, but I just have like this um, 
This quote from Haaretz, which is the main or one of the main Israeli newspapers, and they're quoting uh, the current prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. He says, quote, anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. He said this uh, to his Likud party's Knesset members, their parliament, in March 2019. Quote, this is part of our strategy, unquote. And that's Haaretz. And this is 2019. The current prime minister said this directly to the members of his parliament, that their strategy, which is right now, you know, we mentioned Gaza, but also the West Bank, they want to, they've been setting up lots of settlements in the West Bank. They want to take the West Bank too. Like they want the entire territory. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're focused uh, most recently on taking the West Bank. But this is what in 2019 Netanyahu actually said is like our strategy for taking that territory and ensuring there is no two-state solution Mm -hmm. is to support Hamas Mm -hmm. because as long as and Hamas is a prescribed terrorist organization as long as it's a terrorist organization as opposed to uh, Fatah you know the other um, uh, they're the ones who control the West Bank uh, Hamas controls Gaza Mm -hmm. Uh, if it's a terrorist organization you don't have to negotiate with them right you can just say we don't negotiate with terrorists and they have a majority of the parliament in in Palestine right in Gaza, there was elections in 2006, which Hamas won fair and square. And to my knowledge, there haven't been elections since, but I think most people there have lived under siege for so long that they support Hamas, not because they're radical Muslims, but just because Hamas fights Israel. And you can imagine, like, if you're in prison, mm-hmm. you support the guys who you fight. You might support the, the most militant. Sure. Exactly. I mean, I would also assume Hamas is out That's there. why I voted re- for Trump. Because <laughs> when I go to Home Depot. Fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's great. Uh, Trump came out, or no, it came out in Rolling Stone today that Trump uh, is b- debating calling for Benjamin Netanyahu to publicly resign. And the only reason he's doing this is because Netanyahu, after uh, Trump lost to Biden, uh, Trump kept pressuring Netanyahu in phone calls to call the election rigged uh-huh. and say Trump actually won. Uh-huh. And Netanyahu kept deferring and refusing to do that. Mm-hmm. So Trump has a lifelong vendetta against Benjamin Netanyahu. Awesome. And that's my favorite thing about Trump is when he, just through sheer personal vendetta, yeah, he yeah, arrives yeah. at a better position than every Democrat. Right, right, right. <laughs> like he is the progressive option and standing with Palestine more than yeah, Joe yeah, Biden yeah, is. Yeah. Just because somebody like, slighted him. It's like a middle school girl and you don't go to her birthday party. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, I mean, so there is, there is, and it has been a deliberate strategy where it's like, let's support Hamas. And then you can say it, it backfired, but I think it's, um, I think it's clear. And, you know, that's the other part of this is there have been reports of uh, Egyptian intelligence agencies warned Benjamin Netanyahu this was coming. Like five days prior. Yeah. Well, officially, like today, this was confirmed um, uh, by the uh, the congressman Michael McCall is the chair of the uh, the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, He said that or he confirmed that uh, three days before. A high-level minister in Egypt gave a direct warning to Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, this warning was based on Egyptian intelligence. They'd come up with this. They gave th- at it was least the Scorpion King. It was the Rock Scorpion King. <laughs> yeah, at least three days before they gave a direct warning, and then this uh, this minister was quoted in a newspaper as saying something to the effect of Netanyahu ignored this warning, like he or he downplayed it. He didn't really mm-hmm. care about it, mm-hmm. and I think um, I think it's very possible. In fact, I think it's the most likely scenario that he uh, let it happen. I mean, I don't think he knew 
it was going to be this bad. Mm -hmm. But I think the idea was if we allow like some sort of terrorist attack, then we have justification to go in with troops and finish this for good, which right. is, I think, what they want to do. I mean, Benjamin... Finish, ne- finish what for good? They want to annex Gaza. They want to get rid of yeah. every Palestinian there and say, you know, if you stay here, you stay here as a second-class citizen under our occupation, or we're just going to send you somewhere else. Like, ideally, I think they want to kick them all out to Egypt or just kill as many of them as you can. Yeah, it's been, yeah. A, it's been a slow, basically, like, starvation of them anyway. Right. And, and so, so now it's like, all right, we can speed this process up with the approval of the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's what happens when you're a colonizer? You have to constantly, like, lie to yourself because you know inherently it's not your land? I think there's various justifications, like racial chauvinist ones are pretty common. I mean, this is mm-hmm. what like uh, Teddy Roosevelt said about America. This great continent could not have been left as a uh, as a game preserve for squalid savages. Yeah, because you know? did you see that Abby Martin documentary where she goes? And I know that if you if you ask Palestinians, they'll they'll also say we need to kill every kill all the Israelis. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a there's that that Abby Martin documentary. She interviews some people in Tel Aviv. And she's like, well, what do you think should be done about the, you know, about the Arabs? And they go, they go, ah, I hate to say it, but um, we should carpet bomb them. And it's like, it, it, it does, it does seem like the way that they view these people is like, it's just like, it's like, it's cockroaches in your apartment or something. Like it's like, yeah, it's sure. an inconvenient, um, you know, And while population. I agree with you, cause it, I mean, it, everything shows that that is the case. But sometimes when you see news reports, don't you think like, Man, how bad do Americans look when they're interviewed? You know, mm-hmm. um, a, a country going like, "Oh, look at this town in America of people who thinks there's a leprechaun in the tree." Like, do they mock us in that way? Are they getting the most ignorant people? They're still trying to produce something that you want to watch, that people mm-hmm. want to watch. Yeah. So they're gonna get the guy who goes, you know, burn them to the ground because but it, that's but, appealing. But, but it does seem like there's a general attitude where people don't really, like, obviously, you know. Hamas and Palestinians, I'm sure they have a lot of hatred for, you know, the people who occupy them, but it does seem like there's a... Mike is so intent on focused on Israel hate, he's not even sure if Hamas hates Israel. He's like, I'm sure they have some issues with them, but Israel... Of course they hate Israel, but it's different. It's, uh, to quote, you know, to quote Michael Brooks, it's asymmetrical. uh, Yeah, I agree. agree. But... Um, maybe maybe Ian Fidance hates Palestinians because he'd be doing ten years in prison if he lived in Gaza. If he lived in Gaza for his yeah. lifestyle, yeah, he wouldn't even. Yeah, defend that, Mike. Last. Defend what? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it should be no. Yeah, <laughs> gay people in Gaza. No, but th- there's not there's not any there's not any value of uh, Palestinian lives. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. People just don't seem to think that. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I mean, all these people who are getting on social media and being like, "We check in on us because we're not like we're not doing okay," and and this is like really bad, and and everyone's staying silent. It's like, well, where where were you? Where are you every time Israel shoots somebody? You know, the, the IDF shoots somebody. That's the in problem. The head or- it's the problem with social media. It's like you can't make one post if you didn't make all of the previous posts. And the problem is, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like. There's so much violence directed against Palestine. Palestine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they haven't been posting anything this whole time, just like you. And now they're posting something about Israel. It's hypocritical. No, I mean, every once in a while I'll post something about (laughs) Palestine. No, but Scott, I'm just saying, saying, like, I think you're kind of like... (laughs) 
No, they're they're wrong for I, what they're I think, doing. I they, think the I think they don't. There just seems to be a there's a there's a lot of like I think they're dumb people who got caught up in an internet thing and then they went, "Why is everybody mad at me? I listen, just said I said a terrorist attack is bad." And it's like, "Yeah, well, it turns out that there's been, you know, it's just, a I'm, bunch I'm of seeing, awful attacks on uh, Palestine this I'm, year alone." I'm, see, I'm seeing a lot mention. of I'm seeing like a lot of dehumanization and like a lot of sort of, you know, um just just this idea that like all these people that we have locked down are violent, we need to keep them locked down. Oh, it's yeah. horrifying. Then, yeah, it's, it's really just, it's honestly disgusting. And I mean, my wife sent me this Instagram reel today, and I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm watching the it, devil speak. Well, it's very yeah. post nine eleven. Oh yeah, Israel are like blow up that part of the world. What's the issue? And you, what the fuck right. is happening? The Israeli right. Defense Force had a Twitter post, which is either you stand with Israel or you stand with terrorism. Right. And right. this is just, I mean, it's just the exact totally, same thing from 9-11. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I do believe it is like 9-11 and that Benjamin Netanyahu let it happen on purpose, but I think it's spiraling out of his control. And, you know, there's a poll that, uh, like, most Israelis want Netanyahu to resign as soon as the war is over, but all that does is it just gives him an incentive to keep it going as long as possible. Yeah. yeah. No, my wife sent me this, and I was like, I think I'm literally watching the devil make an Instagram reel. Let me mm. play this for you guys. Most people aren't talking about Egypt right now, so let's discuss. As you can see from the top picture in this map, Gaza is a tiny strip of coastal land that is wedged between Israel and Egypt. Many people, including me, are concerned... Also, look at her eyebrows. Well, they can't see it. Yeah, okay. Or maybe we'll put it in post. I'll I don't know. Showing you, yeah. Most people aren't talking about Egypt. Oh, come on! <laughs> soul focus needs to be on defending its right to exist. Hamas needs to be destroyed in its entirety. Ugh. Israel cannot live next to a neighbor whose founding principles call for its complete annihilation. So just that kind of language where it's like, we need to destroy these people. There's not any... Yeah, and then they just right. say a thing that Israel is doing to Palestine. Well, and that's, yeah. you know, we didn't mention, but, like, since they've been penned in since 2006, Israel per periodically bombs Gaza. Right, yeah. Like, they did it in 2009, I believe 2012, 2014 was yeah. the, the biggest one. Yeah. But, you know, even Pat Buchanan uh, made a... He went on Fox News in 2009, and he made the point that the 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 sister the brothers of the 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 girls they're killing Israel's killing in 2009 they're going to grow up and join Hamas mm -hmm. and so that's the thing it's like unless you want to kill all 2.1 million of them and I, i'm sure there are plenty and I'm of sure there's plenty of who, who do. do yeah but unless you want to kill literally all of them every one that you kill well their family members are going to sure. fight you yeah so it's when countries that families. try to deliver aid Israel uh, has issues with you know them all of a sudden there's fights and shit like that yeah. there's no other choice but other choice but because egypt shares a border with gaza they could rescue innocent palestinian civilians that are under hamas's rule in gaza as israel uses its efforts to defend our homeland mm. gaza is home to 2.3 million who either align with hamas's terrorism or suffer I mean, just the idea where you go, why don't all of them go to Egypt? Well, is, yeah, is I've, heard, I've heard that argument a lot on cable. Yeah. They go, yeah. I actually wrote it down because I was like, why is this question real at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, this is how bad they are. Mm -hmm. No one will take them in. Well, and it's like, well, nobody lady... is supposed to take anybody in. Yeah. They're supposed to be where they are. Yeah. They right. Go, but right. Why wouldn't anyone take? That's not how but, anything works. Right. And ethnic cleansing is not just mass murder. It's 
pushing people out of their land. Mm-hmm. This is what was done with the original Nakba, and this is why Egypt won't accept all these Palestinians, because that would be the ideal scenario for Israel, mm-hmm. is all two million, some of them, go to Egypt, and then Israel just takes all that fucking coastal real estate, you mm-hmm. know, and they all leave their home and they all stay in Egypt forever. Mm-hmm. While Israel has risk or suffer under it, while Israel has risked their own security, providing tens of thousands of work permits to the civilians of- I mean, that's the one of the craziest fucking things in this video, yeah. where it's like, land that you stole, now, actually, now we let you come here and work. We'll give you a work permit. This right. is another other thing I've heard, and my head just goes, I'm, again, I'm not educated enough, but I've heard people on the news today go, well, why don't they get, why doesn't Hamas take the money they get and do and get give them good water why is it israel's responsibility for gaza to have good water why doesn't hamas do it yeah and i don't know the answers but i just go probably because because there's no possible fucking way because israel blockades them from all sides yes right hamas like even a traditional nation state controls its territorial waters boats cannot come into hamas or into uh, gaza israel will sink them yeah and Okay, exactly. There wasn't there a fight where so far, like nine foreigners died in the past because they were trying to bring. Yeah, there was the. It was like in the two thousands. Yeah, this was like twenty ten, I believe, the flotilla to relieve Gaza. But I think we might have to continue this on the Patreon. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry if this wasn't. I'm sorry if this wasn't as funny as our usual stuff. This episode about terrorism and mass yeah, murder, well, but I, I hope it was enlightened. Hey, never, you never know how it's going to go till you get behind the microphone. Okay. I bet you would be underwhelming if you had a podcast. <laughs> um. Israel, cross the border into Israel, and cross the border into Israel, and work so they can feed their families. Egypt has never opened their borders to them. Egypt has restricted its borders to the people in Gaza, even during the worst conflict. Just the arrogance of this fucking colonizer bitch. To destroy Israel. Currently, the United States has tried to broker a deal with Egypt where they would take in as little as 2,000 residents a day from Gaza into Egypt. An anonymous security source from Egypt says that Egypt has rejected this idea. They will not provide safe corridors from the residents of Gaza into Egypt. So the question we all need to be asking is why? Doesn't Egypt want to help rescue their Muslim brothers and sisters, the Palestinians in Gaza, and with that, you can imply that, you know, they're violent, they're Yeah, this, they're this woman makes, like, like, anti-pitbull videos and stuff. She stinks. <laughs> She's a fucking she whack. She stinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Well, just according to the UN, 338,000 people in Gaza are already displaced, had to leave their homes because of the bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from Wesley Morgan on Twitter, 6,000 bombs have been dropped in Gaza in six days. For comparison, during the air campaign against ISIS in 2014-19, U.S.-led coalition dropped 2,000 to 5,000 munitions per month. So already in six days, they've dropped more bombs onto, again, this territory that's the most one of the most densely populated places on earth more densely populated than tokyo 20 or 5 by 25 miles they've dropped more bombs in 6 days than us uh, dropped on isis in a month yeah so and, and what you're seeing from the brilliant minds who play call of duty is they're showing images of you know gaza blown to shit and they're going you know that leaves room for snipers you actually have to flatten it more mm-hmm. right and people go that's true it's like mm-hmm. stalingrad yeah, so. yeah, but uh, and uh, Netanyahu on a phone call with Biden, he said he's going to go in. Biden didn't disagree. It's three hundred thousand Israeli troops preparing for a ground invasion. Awesome. Might have already started by the time this comes out. Yeah, Hezbollah uh, might be involved. Then we got Lebanon. 
Iran somewhere. Yeah. We'll talk about all that on the Patreon. We, we got a few more things to... See you on the Patreon. And we got more women that we want to attack because, you know, uh, <laughs> on here on the Average Smokes podcast, <laughs> we hate see. women except our uh, women listeners. So we'll see yeah. you over on Patreon. Thanks very much. Uh, Patreon.com slash Smokes. Bye-bye.